Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to Season 8, the Millennial Pastor Podcast. My name is John, and I will be your guest host for this season while we talk with millennial pastors in the Church of the Nazarene who are committed to serving their church and denomination. In a study done by Research Services, Church of the Nazarene Global Ministry Center, uh, comparing lead pastors with the denomination from 2000 and 2019, some interesting trends were revealed. The primary age for lead pastors within the Church of the Nazarene in 2000 was 35 to 54. In 2019, we see a shift of those exact pastors simply getting older and no new young leaders emerging. We're here not to lament what has happened, but to celebrate those who have stayed and begin to explore why, why they have, and perhaps how we can encourage and create new opportunities for others to remain as well. We're going to be listening to these pastors' stories, hear from people who have spoken into their lives, and celebrate the choice that they have made to stay within within our denominational walls. I'm sure they are like me and have seen many of our friends and colleagues leave the Church of the Nazarene and have perhaps contemplated leaving as well. But alas, here we are, and I know without a doubt the church is better because they have remained. Today's guest is Megan Pittman. Megan, go ahead and say hello. Hey friends, what's going on? (laughs) It's good to have you here with us today. Uh, Megan, why don't you just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. where, Where are you serving right now currently? So I have been the associate pastor at Starting Grounds Church in Battleground, Washington. Um, We're on the WAPAC district. Um, My role as associate pastor is uh, predominantly working in the worship ministry, um, helping our volunteers, um, as well as admin and communications that we have at Starting Grounds. And then I also have just the privilege of helping preach and teach when when i'm able to yeah <laughs> which oh. very lucky to have a lead pastor who is very generous with the pulpit um yeah. but uh as we all know sometimes our responsibilities uh don't allow us to do all those things all the time so, <laughs> yeah. so i just say associate pastor because i'm not just a worship pastor and we we all wear lots of hats so that's right absolutely yeah it's that uh all other duties as assigned right that's that's yeah <laughs> let's talk about that bullet point sometime and how that's a little a little a little, a little bit much yeah, <laughs> all the sure things that are already be. on the job description yeah yeah for sure oh that's that's great megan um so how, how how'd you get to battleground tell us a little bit about your story kind of how you yeah. you got there what what's been your journey yeah i'm it's been three years and i'm still a little surprised that i live in washington yeah um i originally was uh, grew up and lived in Southern California in Carlsbad and San Diego County. Um, my journey to Battleground at Starting Grounds Church um, is partially tied to my life within the Church of the Nazarene and partially just called the ministry and um, did not grow up in the Nazarene Church and okay. uh, actually, well, my grandfather was a Nazarene pastor, but I didn't grow up in the Nazarene church. So there's a bit oh, of a funny. story there. Yeah. But um, grew up, uh, began to try to answer the call to ministry in high school, was in a church that was not affirming of women in pastoral leadership. Um, and then 
going to Point Loma, was exposed to more pastors from the Church of the Nazarene. Sure. Um, began exploring, worked in four different denominations when I was in college. That was different from the one I grew up in. Wow. Um, and just, yeah, found my, myself on a path that my, 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 my journey to, to starting Grounds Church within the Church of the Nazarene is kind of weird because I answered the call before being in the Church of the Nazarene mm. and then basically became a member and simultaneously began my ordination process at the same time. Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, it's a little weird, um, but was in a wonderful um, church slash social experiment called the Possibility Project, which is now better known as Erlen East Bay in um, NorCal. Yeah. And spent three years there with a wonderful community that was um, very non-traditional ministry, but also very much um, longing to provide leaders for the church, um, capital C church. And uh, yeah, in that three-year process began deciphering, it's not just a call to serve, but it's a call to lead. It's a call to use music and teaching and art and hard conversations and all that stuff. And after that three years, I started looking for a job and uh, took about a year to find it, but found myself at Starting Grounds Church where I get to work with uh, three other staff pastors and a bunch of amazing volunteers. So yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So how that's that's the short version. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. There's, there's a lot of pieces that that are interesting. So how, how did you end up at Point Loma? Just because it was one of the Southern California universities. It is a family school. I will say uh, my grandparents uh, were at what used to be Pasadena college. And then my mom went to Point Loma. My mom is the the PK of those grandparents. And um, she and my dad met at Point Loma. And yeah, it was a family school. I was definitely going in to study music and ministry. And so was looking at APU, Cal Baptist University. And I almost, I actually looked at Point Loma last because I was kind of this like, I don't want to go where just my parents went because right. that felt like an easy route for some sure. reason. Sure. It was also the closest school to where I grew up. And yeah. I was like, no, I've got to go somewhere far off and yeah, go find spread, myself. Spread my wings, and, right, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, even 45 minutes away can can be spreading your wings for, for some of us. That's fair. Um, Anyways, but yeah, I went to Point Loma because of the people I met. It's not necessarily because my parents went there, although that was what got kind of my foot in the door. Sure. Um, but went to Point Loma because they had a wonderful music program, because they had such flourishing student ministries on campus. And yeah. um, uh, I would say, too, is a nudge of the Holy Spirit that it was the only school that when I, when I visited and did an overnight stay, it was the only one that I felt um piece about the other ones there was like oh god like if i go here then what if this happens and what if that happens but with point loma it was just a it was like a oh yes i was i, I belong here already and i'm, yeah. I'm not even a student yet so yeah. that was oh, a big cool. a huge huge piece of it yeah, yeah. That, that's cool i i dreamt and dreamt about going to point loma uh, <laughs> that was always my plan and it is more than just a beautiful school yeah it is beautiful and i don't ever want to n- like not say that it is yeah. it's got amazing programs really wonderful people um 
I also will say being by a big city like San Diego is really wonderful too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, good. Um, okay. So you went to school and then while yeah. you're, so while you're going to school, you hit four different denominations. Is that what, is that right? Yeah. So, oh, I worked, so tell us about that. Yeah. So, I mean, for most of us, any kind of, actually any kind of work, not just ministry, but you, you're, you're encouraged to do internships and work right. in, work in the industry that you're learning about so that it's not book knowledge, but it's hands-on knowledge. Cause what if you want to be in ministry and then you work in a church and you're like, I hate this. Right. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I did internships officially for school and then worked in two other churches just because I knew church was going to be a part of my future, whether it was my job or not. Oh, sure. Um, and while the church I grew up in, which was an evangelical mega church, um, taught me so much about God, really taught me a, a hunger for scripture, like had so many good things. Um, there were, it, it's, it's, it's hard to stay in a church that doesn't seem to fully encourage you to be who you think God right. has designed you to be, yeah, totally. <laughs> as I'm sure many yeah. have experienced. Um, but I just knew that I wasn't going to be able to stay in specifically an EV free church. Yeah. Um, if, I was going to be faithful to where God was calling me. Sure. And so I spent, and each of these were anywhere from six months to a year, um, an internship in a United Methodist church, an internship in a non-denominational church, an internship in, I want to say is a vineyard church. Okay. Um, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. And then an internship in, I can't even remember at this point. I, I mean, it didn't matter. Like we didn't talk about it very much, but it was it was not it was not non-denominational, but I can't remember which denomination it Where was. Were, but yeah. yeah. And they were all beautiful and difficult in different ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. that's yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, from like vineyard to Yeah. I mean starting an E V free and the spectrum, right, of of trying to yeah. I, I mean that that's really unique. I mean, for your experience. Most people don't have that sort of opportunity uh, yeah and and granted they were all as um worship yeah okay either as a worship leader or a worship intern and it's like i i can't necessarily speak from a leadership perspective because as a college student who is also you know exploring and and you know most of the churches that hired me were very aware that i was only going to be there likely for a short amount of time right so there's a level of i don't know how seriously i was taken nor how seriously i was taking it (laughs) so but it it was really interesting that like the vineyard church ironically was the best experience but in a conversation at the end of the internship where they offered me a job um i i specifically asked i was like it like is this a worship pastor role because i I love music. I love worship. Um, I don't just want to be a musician for hire. Like that's not, that's a part of it. That's not all of it. And they were very much like, they were very much in the, well, you can be a leader, but you can't hold the title pastor. Um, Right. And I couldn't go through the ordination process because I was a woman. And so it was like, oh, okay. Then thanks for the, you know, so long and thanks for all the fish kind of moment. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which is kind of hard for my my favorite experience with again, really wonderful Christians, really wonderful people who were engaged with their community 
to not even consider it, you know? Yeah. So, right. but it's right. okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay now, now that I have perspective and I've warned and have healed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. So you, so you're at a Nazarene university, mm-hmm. right out all these other denominations. Yes. You didn't grow up Nazarene, but you have no. Nazarene roots. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, when your grandfather is both like, it's funny cause I don't have, the, the family name like i know a lot of friends who, right sure <laughs> uh <laughs> oh you're a blank or you're a blank or yeah. oh you've your family's but and i i don't care i think it's great that people have that but yeah. it's it's uh my grandfather was a district superintendent he was on the board of trustees but like he was as like he was yeah through and through oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but i didn't i wasn't aware of that growing up i was just like he's a Funny. pastor yeah like i knew he was a nazarene pastor but it wasn't the, that that, that was wasn't it. Yeah. He's a pastor. Yeah. Oh, he interesting. Pastors people and um well, anyways, but yeah, uh it, along those internships and and it sounds like I just kind of like popped in the church of Nazarene, but in in between all those internships and partially why I didn't pursue a role or an internship in the church of the Nazarene while I was at Point Loma was because I was kind of already getting that in the summers cuz I traveled with um the Point Loma's summer worship travel team right. they call them summer ministry teams or SMTs. Um, and I got to travel to different summer camps and different Nazarene churches with a worship team where you'd camp counselors and the worship team and would lead worship at churches. You know, it's showing the churches that, yes, your money that goes to the Point Loma is being spent well. And That's here's right. some <laughs> wonderful young adults to make you feel good about yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's yeah. more than that, but it was, it, it's, it's just, really good marketing i will say um but i got to uh meet so many pastors and see different churches and granted point loma is only the southwest region so we were in you know california and arizona new mexico and i never got to go to hawaii but that was also part of our region (laughs) but i i got to kind of see a very wide variety and granted it's mostly youth ministry because of summer camp but a very wide variety of pastors and leaders and yeah. uh, volunteers. And I almost felt like those four summers were almost a crash course in how much variety there is in the leadership of the church of the Nazarene. And that's where I started meeting people who went like, yes, music is very much a thing for you, but have you considered like pastoring, pastoring, have you considered pursuing licensing and ordination and um i didn't know what these things were because i didn't grow up in a church that talked about things like that (laughs) yeah and so i kind of got like another different kind of exposure to the nazarene church in that way and it was good it was a good exposure yeah yeah that's that's cool so okay so then so then talk us through so how did you were you just looking for jobs and you found starting ground and said, I'm just moved to Washington and I'll become Nazarene or yeah. <laughs> what, how did that, how did that well, go about? Well, so when I graduated Point Loma, I had met enough people, um, including mentors, which I know is what this season is about, but mentors and people who like, who stuck around, like, even when I was like, I don't know if I'm going to work because most of college was, why why limit myself to one denomination when god is everywhere sure. when yeah. you know and but the people who stuck around even when i was like ah, i don't know if i'm gonna stick with this or do that 
we're, we're Nazarene pastors. We're Nazarene right. elders. And, um, <laughs> oh, he's going to love that I tell the story. But the thing that the, 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 the moment or the experience that solidified my official entry into the Church of the Nazarene was, um, again, one of those summer ministry teams, the last one, um, which was the summer after I graduated. So it was like a okay. final hurrah before, yep. before leaving college, you know? And I had the honor to go to a um, NCM conference that was in, oh gosh, what's the university? Um, it's the one, Olivet, Olivet. <laughs> and um, just incredible conference was part of the worship team. Heard from so many speakers about beautiful ministries and how we're serving people in need and um, met a, a Gentleman is the nicest word I can think of, but a gentleman by the name of Jeff Perganan, who is a pastor in NorCal and just met him, met some of the people that were like brand new, like the Possibility Project is the the ministry he was pastoring at the time, brand new, like maybe a year, maybe two years old. It's in Sunnyvale, California in the Bay Area. And we meet, we chat. I really enjoy chatting with him and he's, you know. We're, we're talking and he's very much trying to subtly recruit me to join the possibility of project. Yeah. I'm someone who's graduated who has no idea what's going on. So I'm yep. the best, you know, right for the pick. Right. Yeah. And so in the midst of our conversation, um, he starts introducing me to other people that were interns that were at the conference. And he introduces me to who is now one of my best friends. Her name is Alicia McClintock. She's a pastor in SELA. And um, he introduces her going, Oh, he introduces me to Alicia saying, oh, this is your new roommate. Ah. And I did not like that. Yeah. <laughs> He's so mad. But he he was being silly, being facetious, um, but just spent some time with those people, was really deeply intrigued by a ministry that was very invested in one young people who are still figuring out where God is leading them, because I very much did that category. And also a symbiotic relationship between the church and work outside the church. So if you were an intern, you were expected to volunteer. didn't have to be in a specific local church. It could be in a food pantry. It could be with a business. It could be with um, an art studio. But the idea would be you would would volunteer somewhere that aligned with your call, your ministry, your, your mission, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that you would be a member of the possibility project as a church technician in the church. Of um, and the flexibility was appealing to me because at that moment, having graduated, I was like, I'm not going to work in the church uh, okay. too hard. People are too messy. Uh, I- I'm not good enough for this. Like I don't have enough patience. You know, there's, there's all this like, some people should do it, but I don't think it should be me. Yeah. And to have someone to go, yeah, you should still come do our internship, even if you're not going to work in the church, because we know that ministry extends beyond local church ministry. That was the one person, the one ministry that I had, I had seen that seemed open enough for me to fail yeah. and still belong. And that was like mind blowing to me. Yeah, and I definitely didn't see it that way in that moment. At that moment, it was a it was a survival thing. It was I gotta go somewhere. <laughs> and they're right. willing Here's to a door. Me. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. But now seeing it's not that it was the only opportunity. You know, that's I right. think that's something that we 
we convince ourselves of, oh, this is the only thing that I have. Sure. But it's like, no, yeah. there were other opportunities. I could have stayed in San Diego. I could have gone home. Could have worked in another church again. Right. You know, tried tried again, even though I or or not worked in church at all and just volunteered or something. Yeah. Um, but to have an open receiving group of people that said, we want you to figure out where God is calling you. And we want to see if that could lead to some kind of church leadership, but it may not be pastoring. It may just be, you're just a great lay leader, you know? Right. And ironically, in joining the Possibility Project, I was introduced to, surrounded by more women in ministry than I ever seen, more pastors who were compassionate and welcoming and encouraging than I'd ever experienced in my life. And and to be surrounded by people who say, yes, God is calling you to this and we can affirm that in you, um, had never happened before. Yeah. And so joining the Possibility Project was my official <laughs> membership of the Nazarene Science Field delivered. Um, and then three years after that is when I got to Battleground. And so the Possibility Project was kind of my... Um, uh, it wasn't, and here's the, here's the kicker. It wasn't about convincing me to be a part of the church of the Nazarene. It was convincing me to stay in the church at all. Oh, sure. Yeah. And yeah. to say that God's call in your life may not have to be local church ministry, but we sure see that in you. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so just, again, the, the, the investment, the love, the, and the accountability, living in community is hard. Um, and so coming to Battleground, I was ready. I was like, okay, I've had three years to fail. I've had three years to make mistakes. Um, not as a staff pastor, like still doing ministry, more interim stuff with churches all over the Northern California district, serving in the district office. So I really got a crash course in denominational structure oh, and all that, okay. all that stuff. Um, and by the time I got to starting grounds, it was a yeah, there's no question in my mind that I should be in this is where you're supposed to be. Yeah, Yeah. this is where I'm supposed to be. And to, to be, I will say it took a year to get hired somewhere. And that was with a degree that was with eight years of worship leading experience in, in different churches. That was with, you know, great recommendations from like district superintendents and like quote unquote well-known Nazarene past well well-known for yeah. what reasons is a whole other, whole other conversation. <laughs> but it it took a while. Um but end up being hired at Starting Grounds Church. Um I did know the senior pastor wasn't super great friends with them, but his name is Ben George. He actually worked at um Bakersfield First Church as That's their right. youth pastor, yeah. which is where you are now. Yeah. And he's got history here. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it wasn't a, oh my gosh, like we're friends. He's gonna hire me. But it was a I emailed him saying, What are you doing in Washington? Like I right. thought you were yeah. California. How'd you get there? Yeah. Yeah. It started off as a check-in. And then he was like, Oh, you're looking for a job. We're looking to hire a worship pastor. And I was like, yeah. okay, great. Um, and in our conversation, um, and in him hearing about my experience with the possibility project, he's like, it sounds like worship's not the only thing. I was like, yeah, even it's, it's, it's my biggest tool in my toolbox, but it's not the only one. And, and he was more than encouraging, more than uh, willing to, to expand my role even before I got there, which was yes. like, which was great. Yeah. And so yeah. Got to starting grounds and um, 
met the church and the board and, you know, did, did the interview where, again, I didn't realize the pastor can hire, like the board doesn't hire you. Like the church calls the right. senior pastor, but then the senior pastor creates the staff team. That's still something I didn't really understand until working at starting grounds. Yeah. Um, but the board and the people at starting grounds were very like, yes, come here. So it was, it was easy to say yes. And, yeah. and again, that, that sense of peace. Yeah. Um, God was in it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it, it's, it's one of those weird things where it's hard to know that God can use you anywhere doing anything um, until you have that discernment of like, ah, yes, this is, this is the next right step. And that's what it felt like. Yeah. No, yeah. That, that's cool. It was, so it wanna, was an easy process. Yeah. 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 So I want to roll back a little bit to, mm-hmm. so you made the comment of um, when you were really kind of thinking about Nazarene church and maybe what's next and that kind of stuff, it wasn't just necessarily, is it the Nazarene church? Is it, but is it just church? Yeah. Um, so what, so what was kind of going on in that process? Like where, if, if you don't mind, if you want to expand a Absolutely. little bit on that of, sure. you know, what, what were some of the things you're wrestling with and uh, what led to those and some of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think um, I am a millennial. I'm also a young millennial, um, like maybe three years away from Gen Z or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. So how, how many pumpkin spice lattes <laughs> have you had in the past year? Um, as many as I can afford. Which okay. Is- right, there it is. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So I'm poor, but I'll buy them. Um, anyways, <laughs> sorry, poor is not the right word. I am uh, very mindful. There you go. You're, you're, you're frugal. Yeah, I have to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, several. I love pumpkin spice lattes. I also love avocado toast and all the basic things that are millennial affiliated. There you go. Okay. But I don't right. like peppermint mochas. They're a little too much for me. Too much. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna sound very much like a young millennial. It wasn't God, it was people. Um, my my faith in God has never, minus a very weird, awful, dark period in high school, um, God and Christ have never been an issue for me. Yeah. It's always been a sense of truth. It's always mm-hmm. been, you know, God is just and merciful and loving. What's not to love? You know, like, yeah. that sounds great. We're going to yeah. help people in need. Um, but working, working in, working in four to five different denominations showed me the reality, the truth that mm. people are the same everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um, despite the difference in practice, despite the difference in politics, despite the difference in, um, well, and well, um, I will say they were all middle-class predominantly white churches too. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to make a blank blanket statement sure. for churches of uh, that are different race or ethnicities or economic levels. It's different, but but in my experience working in in those churches, it was all it was very hard. It was a lot of we say we are merciful, but I I I don't see mercy in people's actions. We say right. that you know we being Christians and and there was a shortcoming that for me i knew that the pastors that i saw and would want to emulate should i be a pastor were merciful and were kind and were gentle and were you know were and i was like i don't know if i can be those things because i have such difficulty with 
people saying they are one thing and then acting another. Right. Um, however, <laughs> uh, and as I've heard many, many a times, and especially from another one of my mentors, her name is Donna Bell Martin. Again, another person loves at Bakersfield Church. There's That's a, right. Yeah. There's a theme it, here. It, um, I mean, she, it, it's the church to be at. So yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> she even again, even before I was like fully in Church of the Nazarene, she called me out on being harsh, being judgmental, mm-hmm. being um, being the thing that I was critiquing in other yeah and and that was hard to hear it made me really mad the first time for yeah, the first time sure. it happened many times um but 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 she she'd been that voice of you know a, a gut check but also a gentle reminder of like you are not god you're not the one that passes judgment and i think that was a, a misconception i had of pastors based oh, sure. on what i'd seen growing up which is yeah. Does my behavior meet the standards? Does my action meet the standards of my pastor? Um, when in reality, it's like, no, like, first of all, pastor isn't God. And second of all, you're never going to meet those standards, no right. matter how right. good, bad, wonderful you are. And um, coming into the possibility project from college and having this, again, this crisis of the church meaning people, not the church meaning the faith. Yeah. Um, which those are inseparable. Right. <laughs> they go hand yeah. in hand. Um, being being in a place with people where we we called it church, but it wasn't like a sermon and three songs. Right. Um, but being in a place where, like, we had people in the internship who ended up walking away from faith and church. But the thing is, is while they were in the internship they were welcome to share their frustration, to share their anger, to share their anxiety, to be received fully as they are, even if they didn't go in the way that the internship longed for them. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously there were standards, like there was, it wasn't like anyone could do anything they ever wanted sure. and you were yeah. welcome to stay, but like there was a, again, a radical acceptance and mercy that I saw from this unique, church which is what i would call it that is people doing faith and life together (laughs) um that it it kind of convinced me one of my own um shortcoming of judgment and high standards and also again trying to i think expect people to be perfect and they're not Right. As I, as I am not. And um, again, but finding that balance between as Christians, are we are we actually saying who we are? Right. And and never letting go of that pursuit, but also in the in the process going, we are we are flawed. We are we are messy. And as long as we are striving to, to change and be transformed, I think that that was the piece that was missing before I was a part of the possibility project because all the other churches I'd worked in, it was, you put your church mask on, you pretend that everything is okay. Um, and again, I was only in churches for six months a year that may not sure. be fair to them. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the change that happened between, I don't even know about church at all to, 
I guess I should start the ordination journey to be an elder in the Church of the Nazarene, which is wild when I say it out loud, um, came from being allowed to be myself fully and also wonder about what it means to live a, a faithful life. Um, and it was really that simple. Like, <laughs> and I just, I just, I either had never experienced that before or wasn't made clear to me until that. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and your story is so full of basically, right? People saying, I know you think you're called, but you're not really called, right? You can't actually oh, yeah. have that sort of life. And or, then, or, or you, you are mistaken. Yeah. And okay. People, wow. people uh, instilling doubt. And sure. Like, I'm not saying that I always know what the right thing to do is because that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but to, but to feel a conviction that I, I would say, I don't know where else it would come from other than the Holy spirit. And then to have people who are in leadership, who have authority, who I should trust, who I trusted, say, no, that's your gut. That's you. That's you lying to yourself. Um, that's, that's the sin of pride. Um, but at the same time, seeing young men in high school say the same thing I Right, doing the same things that I'm doing, and then be not even just encouraged, but like put on a pedestal. Right, and sure. So, and and yeah, it it's it, it's really hard when leadership that you trust says n- without knowing you very well, too, mind you. Um, no, like don't trust yourself. Don't right. trust your gut. Don't trust your don't trust your intuition or your discernment of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, because because of whatever right yeah whatever agenda they have yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i was a good church kid like i was like the one who should have early the one who stayed like I, it was one of those like it couldn't it, i mean it couldn't have been my behavior you know what i mean like right. it, i i don't know what else it would have been i mean yeah yeah interesting yes. yeah it's lovely love that part of my story yeah no yeah that's that's hard but but refreshing to hear, right? That you found a community that right was like the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Of like right. hyper affirming, really trying to meet you wherever you're at, and say yeah. it's more than just even this evangelical box of you yeah. know, like you said, three songs and a sermon and and a benediction, and don't forget yeah. the altar call or whatever it is. Um, and and I and for for anyone who's listening, that that affirming community. It wasn't a yes, whatever you think or feel is right. Like it, 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 I think sometimes people mistake yeah. that level of encouragement as yeah. no, that's um, good. But it, I lived in a community that had standards of participation, of well being, um, of caring, of, of showing up and investing. But it, you can have radical acceptance and still also have, um, structure like right yeah i it wasn't just a yes whatever you feel and think is right because you think and feel it right not what i'm talking about (laughs) right right yeah Yeah. no that's good so yeah so you went from this kind of kind of creative covenant community right and then transitioned into more of a traditional staff Mm -hmm. role yeah Um, yeah so how is that going how is some of that experience of that creativity impacted your staff role and um, yeah. 
yeah, share a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, it was a very hard transition just from one type of community to another. Um, and that's without taking into account that my first full year was 21. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's also um, that. <laughs> but the biggest difference that continues, regardless of giant life events and world events, um, is with the possibility project, we lived together. Right. We were expected to do a weekly meeting. So, like, maybe we were reading a book, maybe we were discussing uh, a documentary, but, like, we had a weekly kind of, like, development small group type meeting. Okay. And then we had our weekly, um, we, we had supper church where we would share a meal, there would be a short homily, a discussion question, and then we'd often do something after dinner together, like, go to the movies or go see someone, uh, go see, like, a local author talk about a book. We, again, artsy-fartsy right um yeah. all 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 the artsy things it was great um now so i was with those people all the time being in a local church where you only see people if you're lucky three hours a week right is so it's not even it's i wouldn't say it's harder it's a different type of part yeah um it takes longer to build vulnerability with each other it um with that covenant i like how you use that that creative covenant and that's very much what it was um you came into that that environment you came into that internship basically being told you're going to be expected to be vulnerable a lot and this and it's not that it would work or fail or wouldn't work or would or would fail if you didn't if you weren't vulnerable or or weren't you know but they were very clear of like if you don't like the, the main thing that i don't think anyone has ever kicked out but the main thing that like people were quote unquote not really penalized for but they were talked to over was not showing up right that was the main thing was not participating yeah with with local church we don't live together we don't you know we're not right down the street from each other um most most church attendants like we consider a regular tender someone who comes once every other week um which is very different than the the church of yesteryear um and you know, we have a couple of small groups. And um, so the biggest relational difference is just the volume has decreased severely. Yeah. There are more people in my local church, but there's less time together. There's less, um, I would say, mo- opportunities for radical vulnerability because we don't have much time together. Um, those moments usually come at a yearly retreat or maybe for right. kids to go to camp or if the the women's or men's ministries do a retreat, right? Um, and those are maybe once a year if we're lucky. Um, and yeah, one thing that I, I've struggled with personally as worship leader is how to help invite people into being vulnerable, but they haven't built up the relationship or the trust to do right. so. And so it's a back and forth. Um, but one thing I really enjoy about starting grounds is um, seeing the way that people show up in different ways um this was similar to possibility project but it's different because when you live somewhere it's it's almost easier to show up because you're already there whereas here people have to drive and they have to you know choose youth group over maybe soccer practice temporarily or you know there's a level there's a different level of involvement 
Right. Um, and while I, it wasn't a hard transition in some ways, um, it, it's just very different. And, and as much as I've worked in local churches before my three years with the possibility project, now having been somewhere for three years, um, my metaphor slash image that I kind of use to remind myself when I get impatient is ministry is not an air fryer. It's a crock pot. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a little longer and, and the longer you let something cook and develop and meld, you know, the more flavorful and rich it can be. And oftentimes when we try to rush things, whether it's relationship or healing, like our church needs right. a lot of relational, emotional healing after 2020. Our church split in half. Yeah. Um, we lost half our people because of various reasons. Um, and I shouldn't say lost. Um, we changed. And yeah. so, um, but having time to heal from that huge, huge shift with all new leadership as well. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's shown me a type of resilience that, um, it's not that I don't think this couldn't exist in a creative covenant community, but it, it's just different. And there's a level of richness that comes from this church that I, I mean, it's a big reason why I'm there. Yeah. Uh, other than it's not just a place to be because they were willing to hire me. <laughs> right. It's a church that I love being a part of because um, even when it's hard to keep going up, yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, no, that's cool. Look, it's so, um, yeah, so like when you think through some of the mentors that have been a part of your story, uh, maybe even specifically there at Battleground and stuff, um, uh, yeah, how have they helped speak into some of this process? Because you still are, are fairly new to the staff role, new to yeah. ministry and some of that kind of stuff. How, how have they been a part of your journey and helped? Yeah keep you here right keep you within the church and mm-hmm. um, stay in the course and that stuff yeah um it's it's i i feel like i've had such a privilege to have so many delightful mentors and also difficult mentors in my life too <laughs> and very few of them have come by way of like me formally asking them to be my mentor um so like I've mentioned Donabelle, I've mentioned Jeff, um, in the actual licensing process of, you know, doing ordination and getting, getting there. And, um, I've ha- half of my ordination journey started in NorCal and I'll complete that, uh, journey with WAPAC, um, where my district assigned mentors. So like in NorCal, uh, Michael Palmer was a mentor of mine. Um, he's been huge in, um, mentoring through a more spiritual direction type of yeah. uh relationship which has been lovely and Good. um there's a lot of radical generosity and um learning to be curious when when frustrated and i mean i could speak a lot about things that taught me um and then my district side mentor in wapak um her name is debbie Weisen, and um she's i would say the the mentor i've had who's been the most different from me in that she is re- retired yeah. and she's not done, but she doesn't work. She doesn't work as a, an Nazarene pastor anymore, but she's still in the Nazarene church and has her own podcast and is trying to start this like 
movement with art and and um conversation and I, I don't know how to describe it she's much better at it than I am but she she has been the mentor who's been the most challenging to me because we are the most different um but to still be a mentor where I can go specifically about local church things like that battleground of hey how can I be a better associate pastor for my senior pastor because she yeah. was an associate pastor for so many years in her ministry um to to share with her the the tension of like I love being an associate pastor but it seems that the church of the Nazarene tends to value lead lead senior pastoral leadership more than that and tend to invest in that more and that's not a good enough reason to pursue senior pastoral ministry but if I'm going to survive should I do that and like like those kinds of questions I right. like I found I could talk to my senior pastor about or any of my previous mentors but Debbie would be one who practically speaking she's had so much um advice that differs from the spiritual direction or the the more philosophical you know woo woo kind of questions that i have <laughs> like i've had the privilege of having different mentors for different seasons for different reasons in my life and um donna bell of of those four that i mentioned donna bell's been around the longest she's the one who she's one of the first people who was like why can't you be a pastor <laughs> why yeah. can't you, you know um and you know uh it's yeah so there's there's just been when it comes to the the why why stay in the church of the nazarene conversation um part of it is the theology like the wesleyan theology the 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 love is the primary characteristic of God, the holiness, where holiness is not perfection, but it is a constant transformation to being more and more Christ-like. Like there's 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 the theology that really keeps me in it too. Um, although we all know that we can believe something and then not practice it. Right. Um yeah. I think these mentors have been really good about reminding me that while the denomination is a part of the story, um, like I, like I don't know how else to say it but like my local church does not care about denominational loyalty doesn't care about you know this I, I'm in a little bit of a weird church in that like we're not we're like not the most Nazarene Nazarene church but the the philosophy of of God being love and of serving others and constant growth and like it is Nazarene by default yeah. <laughs> like in a way and it's beautiful, but these, yeah, these, these mentors, I think ironically, they were, they were always like, you can be faithful no matter where you are. You really can. You don't have to be in the church of the Nazarene, but if you would like to stay, the church of the Nazarene would really love to have like that kind of relationship. Yeah. Um, and they've also helped me with navigating the structure again. It's really weird to come into a domination that automatically start doing um just jump right into it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um but but the thing too is that I had I had, had so much experience in church and in working in church. Like I I even even though I haven't been Nazarene for a very long time, I have been seeing these characteristics and longing for this kind of exploration of god's character for my whole life 
Um, and so just like I, I like I have 15 years of ministry under my belt, even though I'm only 28. But right. the last seven have been in the church of the ministry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so just, yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's a strength, you know. Um, I think it's great when we have pastors have always been in the church of the Nazarene and have that 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 kind of depth in, in the 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 family. If you would think of it that way. Um, but I'm kind of like the quirky, crazy aunt who has like all these like <laughs> weird stories that yeah. you know, bring in the own flavor, right? <laughs> That's right. I mean, it, we, yeah. we need those we need those quirky ants at Thanksgiving to keep it interesting. Love so. it. I love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's 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 wonderful. Um, yeah, that's cool. And then um, and then your your senior pastor Ben does a does a good yeah. job of as you kind of mentioned, giving you opportunities to kind of do go more than just worship ministry and yeah, kind of just um, those kinds of things. So how has how has that experience been of of teaching and preaching and uh yeah probably, you know plunging toilets and all sorts of other stuff right oh, always yeah. yeah oh my favorite my favorite like uh i never thought this would be a part of ministry story is one time like we we have some people in our church who sometimes their dogs come with them and some of them yeah. are emotional support animals and some of them are just pets and just pets yeah we love that you know we're like as long as they're not causing a scene we love it you know and it, it's it been great i love i love again another thing i love about my church is that openness but um but like walking into our sanctuary which is very chill like we're a very casual church like it's like coffee shop quirky vintagey type feeling so we we don't have like the rows of pews or even the rows of chairs but we have like little tables and like chairs that are like maybe a little too wobbly to sit on, but we try anyways. We hope for the best. And but just walking in and, and seeing like a nice big pile of dog poop right of nice. the sanctuary. <laughs> yep. And and going, oh, oh, okay. Okay. Did a person do that or did a dog do that? Right. <laughs> but just yeah. Um so Ben, sorry. <laughs> um yeah, Pastor Ben uh has been I think for me, the best senior pastor I could start with in ministry. Um, this is also his first senior pastor position. Yeah, so he, that's right. he was a youth. I think he has like 15 ish yeah. years of youth ministry under his belt of staff pastoring under his belt. But this is his, like, as he, it's his first time as a, as a senior pastor. It's my first time as an associate pastor um, slash staff pastor. And so it's been very hard, but very delightful to go like, how do we do this? Yeah. How much do we copy the people that have mentored us? How much of it is like, no, we've got to find our own way with this church because right. this, this is not their church. And um, but Pastor Ben is um he's a shepherd, but he's also a um uh counselor, like true, like literally, like that he is a master's in counseling and he um is licensed and um I don't know if I've ever had a counselor as a senior mm-hmm. pastor before. And uh, one thing that I've been able to learn from and be, be shaped by by him being my pastor and my boss and my colleague and my friend, like, is one, the, 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 the breadth of relationship you have or that you can have with people that you work with in, in pastoring. Um, and also, um, again, just Pastor Ben is a very different type of senior pastor than I've ever seen. 
Yeah. Um, most of my experience have been a charismatic leader who just like tells everyone what to do and, 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 and not even in a bad way per se. Sure. Um, but he is very gentle, very smart. Um, I say too humble, like to a fault, <laughs> like, like, dude, you're great at this. You need to just believe yourself. But he, he has always been not just with me, but with our, our staff pastors and our lay leaders that are very knowledgeable and gifted themselves with pastoring, like, or with, excuse me, with preaching. Um, so like every time we start a new series, almost without fail, you know, we'll kill in staff meeting go, does anyone want to preach? Is there any weeks that anyone's available to preach? Um, uh, Pastor Ben is not, and, and he would not consider himself a preacher first, um, which is very unique for a senior pastor, yeah. <laughs> I think. Um, and uh, he, and it's not just because of that, but he knows the value of being shaped by multiple voices. Yeah, he knows absolutely. the value of welcoming in the people from the community to witness to who God is and what scripture says. Yeah. And, you know, it's I think it's helped our church lean into that that part of Nazarene identity. Not that we even call it Nazarene identity, but of that scripture is it, it's 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 complex and it's beautiful and um it's not uh What's the word? Um, I don't know the word, but we to have multiple voices that have, you know, different experiences and education, and we've got two lay leaders, two people on our board who are, like, like they may not have degrees in in Bible and philosophy or pastoring, but they are some of the most knowledgeable people Scripture I've ever met in my entire life, um, and they're still learning. And uh, because our staff tends to lean, I mean, younger, me being the youngest one, but like our, our staff tends to lead a little younger. Um, these, these lay leaders um, have a bit more experience slash years that, than we do. Yeah. And so we, we have a whole variety of preachers in our congregation. And, um, you know, Pastor Ben will provide the structure, but he also is very good about letting us know, like, if there's something else that God is convicting you to preach on, like you be faithful. Yeah. Um, just let me know, you know, right. <laughs> just, yeah. just let me know. Yeah, just, just keep you in the loop. Yeah. Clue <laughs> me in along the way. Right. <laughs> and so, and pastor Ben has allowed me a lot of um, trust. And yeah. I, I have one of my favorite parts of my job and ministry is like putting together the worship services, like yeah. planning the music, planning the prayers, you know, working with Pastor Ben on content. And um, it's very much a give and take from both of us and from our other pastors and volunteers. But I get the privilege of, like, finalizing it every week. And, um, yeah, that's just, it's, it's, it's a way for me to be creative. It's a way for me to um, co-labor with Pastor Ben. And um, he never wants it to feel like a top-down relationship and it never is yeah um, and he he's worked very hard at that and and still times where like i would say more often than not we're we we being the staff pastors on the board we're not 
asking Ben to be heard, but we're asking Pastor Ben to speak up even more. Sure. Which yeah. is a good problem to have. Yeah, <laughs> and he can, he's growing. It's, yeah. It's been a privilege to watch someone who is a colleague, a boss, a friend, like grow and expand and, yeah. and also allow me opportunity. And yeah, yeah, no, the last, the, yeah, the last thing that I, I would, I would mention is like recently we had a pretty big um, board vision meeting where we're, we're, we're trying to prepare our church for a potential shift in ministry that would affect the whole church. And yeah. we're not, we're not quite sure if we're going to do it yet, um, but we're hoping we're praying. <laughs> um, but I, I was able to lead the majority of that um, oh, cool. retreat. And usually senior pastors want to do that themselves. Right. Um, right. But he was uh, not just willing, but was like eager to let me do it. Yeah. So, yeah, and I love taking that off his plate so he didn't have to do it by himself. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's cool. It, it uh, that's that's been very much my experience with some of the lead pastors I've been under um, in some of that way and so on. And I think, right. and that's very much how I try to lead my staff and and so on. Is uh, you know I don't need to be in the pulpit fifty two weeks of the year, right? And I. Um, one, it's not healthy for me, uh, but I don't think it's healthy for a church either. Um, but even in how we lead and guide, uh, even board meetings and Bible studies and all, you know, everything is, yeah. we can't always be that person. Um, nor, yeah, nor should you be. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. that, I think one thing that we're, the, the tension is, I, I would venture to say that most churches in the Nazarene church, um, tend to lean more into comfort with a top-down one yeah. one charismatic leader in charge and again that's not an inherently bad thing um, but if that leader can't also raise up leaders then it, right. it 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 kills a church yeah um and or or it teaches a church to be so dependent on a leader to be the voice that they themselves can't discern what god is that's saying right. to them yeah and yeah and and that's i good. think yeah it's 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 a yeah, Pastor Ben's uh, investment in in the staff pastors and volunteers, um, like is the work, and I think sometimes he is expected to do that, and then also do all the other things that you just said. Yeah, and we're trying to teach our church like that's insane. Like, there's no way yeah. <laughs> that's not fair. You know, you would never ever ask. I, I don't know. Like, what's a common? What's a common job? Like you would never ask someone who owns their own business to do the work of their employees and all of their work at the same time. It's right. like, no, that's insane. Yeah. I use that example because there's a lot of entrepreneurs in my church. So. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. 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 No, it's it we 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 like to say right, be that, you know, that pastor that does all things for all people. And it it's a great sentiment, but the reality of it is is no, that's why we've been given gifts and we yeah. use our gifts and we bring others around that have complimenting gifts and uh, yeah yeah it's it seems to be much more of a beautiful picture of the church in that way right when yes. the the quilt example the quilt imagery yeah exactly absolutely so so in that kind of same same vein here is what what would be some of your advice that, that you would give to other young pastors uh, young Nazarene people Maybe they're, we're in a similar place or in a similar place that you maybe were 
uh, don't know if they're called or they're maybe trying to leave or, you know, I don't know. They're, they're maybe sure. questioning some things. What, what do you want to say to them? Um, I would say if you are not certain or convinced of what your giftings are, then you need to first identify what those are. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think for a while I would ask for responsibilities in work. I mean, and that's not just, this isn't just church, but like other jobs, other other side work and you know i'd ask for responsibilities that i would think other people would want me to do or things that would maybe wait say job security um but with ministry like there's there's a certain level of like we're always we're always going to have things that we do that are not like within our gifting like yeah. i'm a, like for me to be like i'm not going to do administration because i'm only a musician like that's just not going to fly or right. well I don't like texting and calling people, so I'm just not going to do that part of my job. Like, it's just whatever. Um, I would say if you are not convinced of where your giftings and calling lies, to first identify that. Because you can waste so much energy trying to do what you think other people want you to do. Yeah. Um, that one, it takes away from your ability to do the thing you do want to do or are made to do quote quote that um you you miss out on the thing that you know brings the most joy that that you are the most effective in or whatnot um so i would say identify the things that if you like specifically speaking to ministry and clergy the things that you have to to do if you're working in a church yeah like the the, the thing that if you're not doing it in a church you're not going to be able to to find um, satisfaction or contentment. Do that. Like first, figure it out once, and then once you figure it out, if you're in a place where you are not able to do those things, find a church where you can. Yeah. And I I I don't want to make light of longevity in church. Like I will say, recently I've gone through and I am currently going through my own. Like, what does it mean to stick around even when it gets hard? Yeah. And I, like in in the three years I've been at Starting Grounds, well, even though that's not a very long time, it's the longest I've ever worked somewhere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like it is minus my like part time job at Point Loma in the music department. It's the longest I've worked somewhere, and part of that is habit. Part of it is being in the my youth and like every three or four years is a big right. major shift or move or whatever. Yeah. Part of it is is breaking that um, habit. Yeah that yeah. rhythm yeah um but but like for example if you are a youth pastor or you're a youth intern and your call or you identify that the thing that god just like that excites you the most when you are serving is um teaching and not just like teaching youth but like preaching or um maybe it's leading book small groups maybe it's Maybe it's working in the nursery. Maybe it's right. working with children. Like, if go go to your leadership and tell them first. Say, hey, I know I'm a youth intern. I know I'm a youth pastor or youth leader or whatever. But I really, I I know. And again, do this after you've confirmed. Like, right. I mean, and we all we all need to search. We all need to experiment. Again, that's why I think internships are great. Um, Go to your leadership and say, is there a way for me to serve here 
doing this thing that I know God is calling me to do. Because I'm I'm someone where I was so afraid to ask, I would just leave somewhere. Yeah. Um, or previous hurts and hangups and pain would would lead me to believe like, well, no one is ever going to allow me to even consider teaching from scripture. Right. Um, no one's ever going to allow me to preach in big church slash adult church. You know, yeah, it's okay if right. I teach the children, but it's not okay if I teach other adults, whatever. Um, which is so weird. But go go to your leadership and share with them what God is calling you to do. Yeah. And it. allow time for discernment. And obviously, like, like people know if they're being yanked around. People know if they're being, yeah. you know, well, like we'll we'll discern and you know a year goes by and nothing changes. Like there's we you you know yourself, you know your leadership. And then I would say that if if there's not a willingness to even try or yeah. or or you know make that shift, then find somewhere where you can be faithful. Yeah. Um because that's what I had to do with my my home church. That's what I had to do after Paloma. Yeah. Um and when it comes to the Church of the Nazarene specifically, um, I'm not the best poster child for this because I didn't grow up in the Church of the Nazarene and I've only been in it for so many years. Um, but there's so many out there. Yep. At least try. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I personally, um, I think it's more important to serve in the capacity that God is calling you to than to remain in a specific denomination. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But if this is where you're at and there's not a philosophical issue or there isn't a denominational, you know, like headbutting, like talk to leadership you trust, seek wisdom, and also trust your gut. Trust yeah. yourself. Um, trust that you can discern God's call, that you are capable and able to um be faithful and be in leadership um and the last practical thing i'd recommend would be um have your own counsel and uh i don't mean just like counsel like the verb but i have like a select small group of people in my life that whenever a really big thing comes up or whenever i'm struggling with something that seems to constant or you know before i before i moved to washington i was discerning maybe i should go work at the general church in kansas city and i called on my council and they're like you would not be doing what god wants you to do you would yeah. not be doing what you have expressed that god is calling you to you know That's and it having people who you know will be honest with you even if it's not what you want to hear yeah talking to them before a major life decision like it, it it's helpful because sometimes i want something to work out but just because i want it to work out doesn't mean it will right right <laughs> and so having those those three or four maybe five people help me go through you know where am i where do i want to be what does it mean to be faithful to god you know and that and that often helps me and 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 very rarely if ever has my gut or my discernment of where God wants me to be, have it has it differed from the people that I trust most in my life to help yeah. me with that? Um, yeah, I, yeah, 
trust your friends trust the people that know you who want what's best for you yeah yeah no that's that's good that's some good some good thoughts for sure and what uh for the for the older pastors and senior pastors who are trying to be a part of the solution and create opportunities for young pastors and those things what what do you recommend to them uh pay them (laughs) (laughs) that's good um i mean advocate for them um i like again when i i love pastor ben for so many things but um he's on my side like i don't know how else to say that um he's not trying to get anything out of me um i I would say for for the older pastors and again this starts with self-reflection um are you trying to get something out of someone? Are you trying to fill a hole in your church? Are you trying to, you know, like identify what you're trying to do. Even even if it's not, even if you're, you know, at your most honest, you're like, I'm not even really looking to invest in a youth pastor. I just need a youth pastor at my church. Right. Be honest about it. Because there are some people who just want to be a youth pastor. They don't care about being developed or, I mean, I don't know how much that's like literally true. But the more honest you are about what you are trying to do in your ministry and your leadership position, the more likely you are to get them. So yeah. rather than trying to say what you think young people want to hear, just say what you're looking for. And I guess you might find someone right. or you might not find someone and you might realize that what you're trying to do isn't congruent with the leadership that's developed. Yep. yep. Um, being honest. And, and I know that that takes a lot of self-reflection. And I would also say, um finding a way to um have unconditional positive regard for your colleague no matter how much younger they are than you. yeah. um like assume the best um i i i know i don't i i i i know a couple of older clergy very well and there seems to be this commonality of, well, young people don't even want us around. Yeah. That's not true. But young people want to be there with you and not be under you. I mean, you might be the leader, and that's important, and we need, we need that. I still need that. Yeah. Um, but the way you treat us, if you treat us like children, we will act like children. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. Yep. Yeah, and if you if you are expecting an adult to show up and do the work and stick around, then you also need to invest in them in a way that will allow them to stick around. Yeah, yeah that's good. So that would be my my cautious advice, I guess. <laughs> no, that's good, Megan. That's... As I've said those things, I'm like, am I being too too loud? <laughs> no, that's that's great. No, that's it. That that serious idea of giving opportunity not not as a means to an end but really i'm given an opportunity because if i don't right then no one will follow me right no one will be no one will will succeed me um and and opportunity that provides them a way to stick around exactly like i i I, again i hate to say it but there's opportunity everywhere yeah but if you're asking someone to move across the country which a lot of us do sometimes for ministry position or even move cities. Yep. Um, but you're not paying them. I hate to say it, but like, let's, let's assume that we all get hired full time, which doesn't happen. We all know that. Um, but like, 
if you are hiring someone full time, but then not paying them what it costs to live where you live, you're not going to keep up. Yeah. Even if they have all the heart, all the call, all the abilities, all of the love, all of the willingness and intent, they will not stick around because they can't afford to. Yep. So yep. opportunity with support along the way. And yeah. that's emotional support, financial support, all. And I know that's a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time with us, Megan, and, and hearing your story. I mean, a story of struggle and uh, roadblocks, but a story, I think, ultimately of of affirmation and 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 uh, as your journey just begins uh, with the Nazarene Church, I'm excited yeah. for uh, <laughs> what what you guys are doing there and starting grounds. I know Ben is is a wonderful pastor and um, is is sounds like you guys are up to some really cool ideas and uh, maybe new vision and, and all sorts of stuff. But any any last thoughts before we end our time t- today? Uh, get a good night's rest. Sleep yeah. fixes a lot of things. A nap and a snack. That's good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, wonderful. Thank you for joining us here at the Millennial Pastor Podcast as we talk about just the intersection of faith and culture and uh, what it means to be pastors, what it means to be followers of Jesus um, in this day and age. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thanks for having me. Since we love millennials so much on this podcast, we thought it would be appropriate to promote our fellow millennial authors. Here's one now. Grace and peace, friends. My name is Brent Neely, and I recently compiled the book of ancient prayers, 365 plus prayers from the saints of the church. This is a daily prayer book which can be utilized to introduce you and others to different historic prayers throughout our history. It ranges all the way from the first known prayer outside of scripture up until prayers from the turn of the century. It utilizes people from all around the world bringing together a resource that can be used to dive deeper into your prayer life. I hope you all enjoy it. Peace. Support this author and our podcast by clicking the link in the description. Thank you. The Millennial Pastor Podcast was created and produced by Byron Certain and Josiah Jones. This season's guest host is Jonathan Wren. Original music by Andrew Jones. This podcast is part of the Millennial Pastor Podcasting Network. For more podcasts like it, please visit themillennialpastor.com. Thank you so much for listening, and please consider rating, reviewing, or subscribing so both you and other fans of Millennial Pastors can join us on the next episode of the Millennial Pastor Podcast.